Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning. How many of you by now know the theme song of the bumper? Can I see your hands if any of you feel like you know it? Okay, I see some cheaters out there because I know you used your app to figure it out, but last week to try to figure it out, I'll reveal it next uh, weekend. Well, each week in our series, we've been looking at a catalyst uh, verse, a passage from Isaiah chapter 43, and then what we've been doing is we've been just kind of unpacking it a little bit, talking about it more in a general way, and then we've moved into a particular aspect of renewal that we've been focusing on, and we're going to do that again here this morning. So here is our two theme verses that we've been using each and every week. And this morning, what I'd like us to do, because by now, many of you have been part of this series, you've been part of Renew, Uh, maybe you're joining us this morning, but for those who have been here with us, would you join me in reading these verses this morning from our screen? Let's join together and let's read them. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We're going to read it one more time. Because my heart and my prayer in this series is that God will let these verses metabolize so deeply into us that we will all become so hopeful and so filled with faith that God wants to do something new in our lives. We can get really stuck in old. We can get stuck in old patterns. We can get stuck in old scripts. We can get stuck in in old uh, relationships and old ways of seeing things and doing things. But listen, God is doing something new. And so let's read it together again. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Throughout this series, Renew, I've been emphasizing the importance of eyesight and perception. There are many things in life that we take for granted. Perception is one of those things. More specifically, depth perception. When was the last time you paused to thank God for your depth perception. Likely never. Because we just take for granted that we have this remarkable ability to see things in 3D. Now, it's one of the marvelous things that uh, tells us that we are created. It's another aspect of being created in the likeness of God. Because depth perception is unique to us. Animals have depth sensation, but they do not have depth perception. In other words, animals cannot see like we can see three-dimensionally. And perhaps that's why the psalmist said that we are wonderfully and we are fearfully made. And so in this series, I think one of the important things that God wants us to think about is that if we're going to see the new things that God is doing, I think we've got to exercise depth perception, spiritual depth 
perception. In other words, we've got to pick up on the visual cues of what God is doing in the everyday and in the ordinary. Spiritual depth perception means that we are practicing both prayerfulness and watchfulness. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, throughout the Scripture, the Bible often combines prayer and watching. In other words, we're told at a number of different places to pray and watch. However, interestingly, it most often appears in the reverse order. So Jesus, on the night that he was going to be betrayed, Jesus calls his disciples closest to him, and he says this. He says, watch and pray. At another point, Jesus is encouraging his disciples with the unpredictability and the uncertainty of life, and here's what he tells them. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of God. So watch and pray. Now that order has always struck me as somewhat odd. I mean, you would think that the order should be pray so that you can watch. But that's not what the Bible actually tends to teach us. What it encourages us to do and what Jesus encouraged his disciples to do is watch and pray. Why that order? I suspect the reason is this, that we are more inclined to look to God than we are to look for God. In other words, we can look to God, but we can neglect actually looking for God. And what God really wants us to do is look for him. That that actually is the emphasis of Isaiah chapter 43. God is doing a new thing. It's not really a question of whether God is doing something new. The real question is, can I perceive it? If I can perceive it, I can pray it. In other words, if I can perceive God is doing something new in me, God is doing something new in my life, I'll be more apt to pray into that. But if I fail to perceive what God is doing, in other words, if I, if I fail to look for him in the everyday and the ordinary, I'm not picking up the visual cues, I'll also fail to pray, to take my situation, to take that new thing to God. And we're actually given illustration of this in the story of the Israelites, who God led them out of Egypt toward the promised land in Canaan and directly through 40 years in the wilderness that began with the Red Sea. Now, what's so interesting about the story is you can actually think of Egypt as the former thing. And you can think of Canaan as the new thing. And in the middle of that, the Israelites are called to practice spiritual depth perception. 
And, and here's what happens along the journey. They simply lose sight of God, and because they lose sight of God, they become stubborn. They fail to pray. They actually let their hearts become dislodged from God, and because they fail to pray, they fail to see God, they also are not given the spiritual depth perception that God wants them to have. Because prayer moves us deeper into spiritual depth perception, but it begins with perceiving God is doing something new. The Israelites could not see all the time how God was leading them and where God was leading them. And here's how he did it. Psalm 77. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. Listen to this. A pathway no one knew was there. Like the Israelites, in a very real sense, every one of us in this auditorium walk an uncertain road. Every single one of us are walking an unfamiliar path. I can plan my life based on what I know, but here's the truth. This is the square reality of every one of us here today. We do not know the path ahead of us. We can only predict to the best that we know and the best that we can understand it, but you and I simply do not always know the road that lies just ahead. I don't know what lies later today. I don't know what lies tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. I think I do. But in reality, I'm a lot like the Israelites. I'm journeying and I'm walking a road that is unfamiliar and is uncertain. But listen, I, here's what I can promise you this morning. If you're in this auditorium and you're wondering, where is God in my journey and my path? Here's what I can, I can promise you. There will always be a path through. God always has a path through. Even when we are feeling like we're up against the Red Sea. We don't know where to go. We don't know how God is going to come and meet us in the middle of that. And God's promise to us here this morning is the exact same promise to the Israelites as they journeyed. Psalm 32. I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway of your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. I love the promise of these verses, that God will guide us and he'll instruct us, notice it, with his eyes as our guide. When I was a teenager, when I came to faith in Christ, I met a man by the name of Albert. I actually got acquainted with Albert through Kelly's parents, who were neighbors and good friends with Albert. And often Kelly's dad would go visit Albert, 
would uh, spend time with him, would actually take him with him to different places. And Albert was one of those guys that whenever I was invited to go with Kelly's dad to see Albert, I, I always found a man that was so filled with pleasantries. He was always so welcoming and so hospitable. I never saw Albert have a bad day, and I never heard him say a bad thing about any other person. He loved God, and he loved people. The interesting thing about Albert is he never left his home alone because Albert was blind. And so I remember going with Kelly's dad and if it was a nice day, we'd walk into a, the dark apartment where he lived and we'd turn on a little light and later Kelly's dad would say to him, Albert, do you want to go with me for a walk? And Albert would often be so encouraged and so excited to get outside. And yet he'd always have to grab the arm of somebody because Albert couldn't see where he was going. But Kelly's dad, and from time to time, I was able to be that person. But the reality is, though Albert could walk, Albert needed to borrow someone else's eyes. Let me tell you what God gives us and his promise to us. His promise is that God will lead us and he'll let us borrow his eyes. What the Bible is saying here is this. Just because you can't see where you're going, just because you don't know the road ahead, I do. I see it. You're not alone. I'm with you. And if you will just grab me by the arm, you'll have to do that. You're going to have to move in my direction, but if you'll just do that, I'll be your eyes. And I'll walk through it with you. So here's what the verse is really saying. Don't give up hope. Just cooperate with me. Just take me by the arm. Just go in my direction. Because I'm going to lead you and I'm going to direct you in the way that you need to go. Now that's the promise of Isaiah chapter 43. God's doing a new thing. And all we need to do is practice spiritual depth perception to see and trust where God is leading. This morning, I want to bring us to another aspect of renewal. It's actually another verse that is found in the same book, this book of Isaiah. But before we read the verse, let me tell you a little bit about my week. And perhaps why this verse has become, even this week, so much more significant to me. I've just had one of those weeks this week, and I've shared this with a few people where I've just been a little emotionally out of sync. It's been a week where my rhythm has just been off. I have felt emotionally depleted, and there's really no particular reason why. It's just one of those weeks that I've just not been hitting I didn't feel like on all cylinders, spiritually and emotionally. You ever have one of those weeks? You ever just feel like you're just a little bit off and you can't, really put your finger on why, and it's, and it's affected my energy. It's affected my focus. And what it's done is it's brought me back again and again to what I talked about last weekend. I've been returning this week over and over and over again to my first love, to God's love. 
said last weekend, renewal is returning again and again to your first love. And that's what I've been doing this week. As I've been feeling that, it's driven me deeper into God's love, into just trusting that I'm okay with him, even when I'm not okay with me, even when I don't feel like everything is where it needs to be. I'm still loved deeply by God. So for months now, um, there's a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8 that has just captivated my heart. I, I've been spending so much time. My, my heart has taken me deeper into the passage. And I've been spiritually stirred by the words of Romans chapter 8. But there's one verse in particular that has just really, really been significant to me. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 32. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give. Do you hear the significance of those words? If God loved you so much, and if God loved me so much, that he actually gave his one and only son for me, what else will he withhold? Why would he not just continue to pour out his love into our hearts and make sure that we are aware of the depth and the height and the length that God will go to let us know that we are loved? So from the first part of this year, I've had a centering prayer that has brought me back to that center, and I've prayed it a lot this week. It's just really simple. It's a prayer I can pray just by breathing in and breathing out. It's this, Lord Jesus, hold me in your love. And at times when I'm not feeling my best, I can pray that prayer, Lord Jesus, hold me in your love. And God is faithful to do that. Now here's the verse this morning followed by our big idea. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And I've needed this verse this week. Maybe some of you have as well. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Four times in one verse, the Bible uses the word shall. It's actually a legal word. If you're putting together a legal document, you can choose to use the word shall or should. If you say should, it doesn't obligate you. It means it's strongly recommended. But if you will use the word shall... It means that legally that's binding. God is saying here, listen, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Here's the big idea this morning about renewal. Renewal is the reward to those who will wait on God. Renewal is the reward to those who will wait on God. Now, before we unpack this this morning, I want to speak to a particular group of people in our, in our auditorium today. 
I want to speak to those of you because I've been hearing some stories of how God is bringing renewal to people's hearts and lives. And it's been fun to just pick up little pieces. I'm seeing some visual cues of how God is renewing people here at Grace Crossing Church. But I want to speak to those who are here today, specifically, before we unpack this verse, who are not experiencing yet renewal. Perhaps you've been part of this journey with us. In fact, perhaps you've been really engaged in the 40 days of renewal. And you're, you're still looking for where God is. You're still wondering when God is going to show up for you. You're still looking for where is God renewing something in my heart and my life. And perhaps you're even beginning to feel unseen. Maybe you're beginning to feel overlooked, neglected, forgotten. I have one word for you this morning, if that's you. Wait. Wait. Don't allow what your natural eyes are not seeing to cause you to give up on God prematurely. There's an old adage that good things come to those who wait. Well, according to this verse, God things come to those who wait. And I'll be honest. Like many of you, I do not look at waiting as a gift to be appreciated and cherished. Okay. We don't generally like the idea of waiting. We, we actually see waiting and things that require slowness. And for us to slow down, what we consider them is we consider them an inconvenience. Because we like everything fast in our culture today, don't we? We like fast food. We want fast lines. We want to experience fast success. We, we like fast results. We love to drive fast cars. You know, like everything we do, we want to be fast, and we see slow as an inconvenience. And yet the Bible actually teaches us that when we wait on God, we experience renewal. But let's be honest, it's one of the hardest things that we do. Waiting is one of the most difficult things that we are expected to do in life. My daughter and son-in-law are waiting for a house. They sold their home, and they're just waiting. And every time they go to look at a home, another offer's put on it, and they miss it. And it can get harder and harder and harder to wait. So this morning, in a culture and a world of fast, how do we practice waiting on God? And by the way, that's just what it is. It is a spiritual practice. And there are three ways that I think we practice waiting on God so that we can experience the reward of renewal. The first way comes to us by way of the children of Israel again at the Red Sea. 
There are two verses God gave me early in my ministry here in this community. The first one was Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. The second one is this passage in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses at the Red Sea answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The first way we practice waiting on God is stillness. Now, how many of you in this auditorium, like me, do not like being still? Can I see your hands this morning? If you're being honest, you do not like it. Listen, I am a restless person. I, I don't know, and I don't remember a lot of when I was a child, but those that I do talk to about being a child, including Kelly's parents, who I met Kelly's dad when I was 13 years old, they said, man, I remember the first time you jumped in the car with me. You were bouncing on the seats, on the back seat. We could not get you to calm down. I had ADHD somewhere, I'm sure. I've always been a restless kid. And I've always been a restless person by nature. I remember as a, a kid, the one thing I do remember is how I fell asleep at night. I, I was with my brother in a bunk bed, and I would go to sleep nearly every night that I can remember, on my pillow, rolling my head back and forth on the pillow. And I just did it till I fell asleep. My brother used to say, would you stop rocking the bed? Because the whole bed would shake when I would rock on the pillow. Listen, stillness does not come natural to me. And I suspect it doesn't come natural to many of us. Stillness is a learned behavior. It is, a, it is a learned behavior that takes spiritual practice. And especially over the last number of years, I have become so much more appreciative of stillness. I've learned to find the value in becoming centered in God even when I'm feeling restless in my life. Stillness is all about getting to a place where you are at rest internally so that you can experience God's peace internally. It is, it is coming to a place where you are no longer finding yourself to have to strive to make things happen in your own human effort. The Bible says those who wait on God, those who are still and practice stillness, a learned behavior, are going to get the reward of renewal. There's a second aspect of this spiritual practice, and it's quiet trust. Quiet trust. Our leadership has been praying a lot into this one. More recently, quietness is different than just trust. You can actually trust God, but to trust God quietly is an entirely different thing. 
Psalm chapter 40 actually says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. What a good feeling that is. He set my feet on solid ground, and notice, he steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in God. Trusting God is one thing, but trusting God quietly takes trust to a whole other level. Trusting God quietly means that you still believe that God is for you and that God has your best interest, even when it seems like no one else does. Trusting God quietly means that you accept what God is doing in your life without grumbling and complaining. Trusting God quietly means you relinquish control of those things that are out of control and those things you think you can control. You relinquish control to God. And you know what I love about these verses? When we are practicing quiet trust, it actually encourages others to put their hope and trust in God. That's what this verse says. The end of it. Many will see what he has done and they will be amazed. Isn't it amazing when someone finds themselves at a point of wanting to give up and yet they keep quietly trusting God? It's the greatest testimony that anyone can have. And when people see it, people are amazed. And it actually encourages them to put their trust in the Lord. So those who practice stillness will receive the reward of renewal. Those who actually practice quiet trust will be renewed. And there's one final aspect of waiting on God. It's attentiveness. Attentiveness. The word wait could actually be translated attend. Those who attend to the Lord will renew their strength. So think for just a moment about waiting on tables. I think every adult should have to be a server at some point in their life. I think every adult should have to be a waiter or waitress at some point in life. Here's why. Because I don't think we really appreciate the effort it takes to make a good dining experience a great one until we've been on the other side of the table. And when we've been on the other side of the table, we all of a sudden realize that just being aware of somebody's table is one thing, but being attentive to it, in other words, really attending to it is a completely different thing. What, what this word wait means is it's not simply saying being aware of God, you'll renew your strength. What it's saying is attending to God, being attentive to God, we renew our strength. It's actually paying attention being mindful, dare I say, being considerate of where God is at in your life. Psalm 8, I love this verses. 
when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? These verses are not about us. They're all about God. Because the psalmist is saying, I'm not just aware of God, I'm attentive to God. God is alive, he is moving in my life, and in everything that is around me, I'm seeing God. And I'm attending to that. I'm becoming mindful of that. Now here's the promise of Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait on God will experience renewal. You're here and you're not, and you don't feel like it's happening yet in your life. My encouragement is just keep on waiting. Those who actually practice stillness will experience renewal. Those who practice quiet trust will experience renewal. Those who are attentive to God will experience quiet trust, will experience renewal. Now, what does the Bible say is the outcome? There's actually three word pictures the Bible gives us. But as we close this morning, I just want us to think about the first one. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Here it is. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. When I was in Florida just a couple of weeks ago, I walked out early one morning out on the dock that went out to a river that moved out to the Gulf of Mexico. And I was enjoying a beautiful sunrise in the morning when I heard a noise behind me. And I looked back way up in a tree and I noticed an eagle. At first I thought it It was an osprey because I'm familiar to seeing uh, ospreys in Florida, but I don't know that I've ever seen a bald eagle in Florida. And I looked up and there was this eagle, and as I moved closer to it, because I wanted to get some pictures and some video of it, a second bald bald eagle came soaring in, landed on the tree right next to the other one. There were two of them. It's a magnificent thing to watch An eagle soar, isn't it? Because when the storms of life come, they don't become troubled. When the storms of life, when the difficulties come, they just simply open their wings and let those strong, stiff winds take them higher and higher. I love the visual promise to us. Those who wait on God, those who practice stillness, those who practice quiet trust, those who are attentive to God shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. God does not want us living down here on the earth and being too tethered to what we're experiencing. God wants our minds and our hearts to be set on things above. 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I want you to bow your heads this morning and let me offer us a prayer today. Some of us in this auditorium have not even yet identified the area that we we are sensing God may want to renew in us or God may want to renew through us or God may want to renew for us. Others of us have sensed it, but we're struggling to see it. We're not picking up visual cues of God yet. And yet God is saying, wait, don't become impatient and don't give up prematurely. For those of us that are experiencing renewal, here's my word to you. Never think that the new thing God is doing in you is the final thing God is doing in you. In other words, what is new yesterday in your life is now old today. God wants to do something new in you, for you, and through you. He just simply wants us to be in a posture of receiving. And that's the prayer I offer to us today. Father in heaven, I thank you for your movement in our lives, even when we are unaware of it and we can't see it. You are ever-present. You are ever-active. You are moving in ways, God, that are beyond our natural perception, but we can see them through our spiritual depth perception because we can pick up the cues, God, of what you're doing. Now help us not just to look to you, but help us to look for you in our lives. My prayer is that, God, you would meet all of us this morning, that you would renew our hearts, that we would be like an eagle that soars, God, internally first, so that others can see how you're working in us and through us. You are a faithful God, and we thank you for being faithful to us. Even when we are faithless, you are faithful. So my prayer is that you would meet us, that you would encourage us, and that, God, you would just inspire us to practice waiting so that our strength can be renewed. Help us not to become weary in well-doing. And help us to keep our hearts fixed, tethered tightly to you. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your grace. And thank you for your presence this morning that reminds us of your promises to us. We receive them as a gift from you. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand this morning? And before you go, let me just mention that in your handout, um, each week we've been putting in an insert to give you a chance to really process and uh, pray through what God is speaking to you about. So this morning what I would encourage you to do is for this week's meditation, I want to direct your minds and hearts to Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. If you want to write that in there, that would be a great passage for you to think about and pray into this week. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And as we finish our 40 days of renewal in these next two weeks, 
I would also invite you to think about praying and fasting, more specifically fasting, these next couple of weeks. Um, I intend to do that on several meals where I can just take that time that I would eat just to be able to sit in God's love, to be reminded of how God wants to renew me first before he renews my circumstances. And I would invite you to think about, maybe you've never fasted. And for you, that might be your stretch goal this week. For others of you, your stretch goal might just be stillness, waiting on God. Like, what does that look like for you to become still? To quietly trust. How do you become more attentive to God? And so how might God be inviting you in the reflection to trust him more and then the renewal prayer is just a chance for you to articulate and write your heart, your thoughts, and your prayer out to God this week. What is it you're inviting God into in your life when it comes to renewal? Write that down and share that with God this week, and God will encourage you. God bless all of you. Have a great, a great week, and we'll see you next weekend. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.